Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, January the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Darren Rizzi is catching a lot of love for the head coach position. And is this roster really tank worthy in 2019? Plus, I'll predict the NFL playoffs from wildcard weekend all the way through to the Super Bowl and hand out my end of the season awards for the 2018 Miami Dolphins. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter at WinkleNFL, follow the show at LockedOnFins, and of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have a great column up there right now titled, Winning and rebuilding are not mutually exclusive. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's get going. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so the first topic here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast for the Friday edition, the January 4th edition, as I continue to recover from my head cold slash flu, whatever we're going to call it here, just been dead pretty much all week. But nonetheless, we trudge on and we trudge on here talking about the sixth candidate to get an interview for the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. And it's an in-house interview with Darren Rizzi, the special teams coach since 2010 after John Bonamego was fired from the Tony Sperano regime and Darren Rizzi was brought in. He is now the longest tenured coach on the Miami Dolphins staff here. And he's going to get a crack at the head coaching job here. And plenty of ex-players or guys that were that were connected to Darren Rizzi in the past have come out and supported Darren Rizzi and really been adamant about his his qualifications to take over the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. And let's start here first with Jason Taylor. We all know who Jason Taylor is. I think that he is the one that really kind of sent people over the top here. And he says this on Twitter, it's about time someone recognizes how good Darren Rizzi is. Glad to see he's getting a look. I played for him and have known him for years. Great coach, leader, pro, and teacher. Demands accountability and respect. And then shortly thereafter, followed up by Reggie Bush, who played on the 2011-2012 teams that Darren Rizzi was a part of. He says this, Heard the news, my guy Darren Rizzi is interviewing for the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. Best special teams coach I've ever been around. Guys love playing for him, and he's been around that organization for a long time. He knows the culture of the fan base and what it takes to win. And of course, this comes back on the heels of Brian Hartline yesterday talking about Darren Rizzi. Mike Pouncey comes out and gives his endorsement of Darren Rizzi, which Bryant McKinney then follows up with an endorsement. It's just been crazy, crazy endorsements from players of past, players of present, players of potentially future talking about Darren Rizzi being on this staff and being the guy to lead the charge. And to me, I suppose Rizzi is kind of a win-win. And I hate to say this because, uh, I hate to say this about the guy because I respect the hell out of him, but he's a guy that you could conceivably move on from in 2020 in a one-and-done scenario if things don't go right in 2019 or if you are able to attract the next big-time name if things get better. Because let's be honest, this job, for all intents and purposes, could become more attractive in 2020 than it is right now, especially if the Dolphins do have that high draft pick and what figures to be a very loaded quarterback class. 
But hey, I'm not ready to call 2019 a wash, not even close, not even close to that tanking mentality yet, whatever you want to call it, because this roster has a bunch of good young talent on it already. And with that in mind, I'm going to work off of this column up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. And you can find that piece featured up on the main page at LockedOnDolphins.com here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And the article basically starts off with the idea that there is a lot of young talent currently on this roster. I gave you guys 13 names. And the premise is that all you have to do, and I know this sounds really funny to say because all you have to do is a stretch for this position, but all you have to do is drop a top-level quarterback onto this roster and suddenly everything changes. I keep seeing folks mention that we need to build the offensive line first or build this or that first, which yeah, that would be great to do, but would it just be a lot easier to add a quarterback that makes everybody else around them better? The way Russell Wilson resurrected a dead Seattle franchise, the way Jared Goff came to LA and took that from the worst offense in the league to the best offense in the league, The examples really are endless, and great quarterback play can mask weaknesses all over the roster, and this isn't going to be another Kyler Murray is awesome podcast, but really, he is. But I just want to make mention that we don't have to wait for the quarterback to come down the pipeline to us and just wait and burn seasons after seasons to wait for that good quarterback to get there because almost a fourth of the NFL's current starting quarterbacks were snatched up outside of the top 10 later in the draft or teams made a move to go up to get said quarterback. Like, for instance, go way back. Tom Brady was a sixth-round draft pick. We all know about that. Drew Brees was a second-round draft pick. Russell Wilson taken in the third round. And then more recently, it's about the trade-up. Obviously, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, number one and number two. Big trade-ups there from teams that weren't even close to the top 10 of the draft those particular years. You go ahead a couple of years to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Both of those teams came way up from the playoff range, from the 20s range, up into the 10-12 range to make those draft picks. So it's not unattainable to go get your quarterback right away and the Dolphins should approach it that way if they see a guy that matches what they want to be the guy to turn this franchise all the way around. Let's go ahead and start this thing off at the top with some of Stephen Ross's comments or the tells of those comments from that introductory press conference. And basically it started off with this one. This is how I opened the column and it's quote, Adam wants to win now, end quote, referring to Adam Gase. And I think Stephen Ross really told on himself with that comment, he's he followed up by saying, hopefully it's not 3-13, and 13, but whatever it takes to build a winning team that can sustain success, that is the goal. And you read the tea leaves through that, and you obviously get the idea that maybe they want to rebuild this thing or strip it down for parts and sell things off and not really go about things the way they have in the past where they say, okay, we have needs at offensive line, defensive tackle. We're going to plug those with free agents and just hope for the best. They're going to do things differently. And Adam Gaze didn't want to be a part of that. Obviously that plan was kind of put out there or put forward to Adam Gaze and he was not interested. So the two ways part sides mutually, I suppose is what happened there. And in the league where most teams want to keep their cards close to their vest in regards to their offseason plans, their draft plans, their free agent board, whatever it is, I just found it interesting that he went out to say that and basically gave the entire plan, laid it out on a baseline for everybody associated with the Miami Dolphins franchise to know we're going to step back this year and do things differently, which is good. But does that mean they're going to tear everything down? I'm going to tell you next here why they don't have to do that and why the future is better than most people think. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. We are talking about the options to tank or to rebuild in 2019 for this Miami Dolphins team as Adam Gaze is now out. Stephen Ross lays out the foundation for his plan going forward to attack this offseason in a way that they really haven't done since he bought the team. And I want to refute that a little bit here by saying that 
the guys they're talking about purging aren't the guys that really were the ones that produced big time in 2018. All the production this team had, for the most part, there are a couple outliers, obviously, but for the most part, the production on this team came from guys that are age 26 or less, or guys that are even under 25, really young 20s players, guys on their rookie contracts. And that's what you want to build off of, and that's the purpose of this column up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled, Winning and Rebuilding Are Not Mutually Exclusive, The Alternative to the Tank. And it starts off with these 13 core players that I have compiled and basically talks about how they are cheap contracts for now. You can extend them probably into the future and be be comfortable in doing that because of their age and the fact that they're not even old enough to rent a car yet. And of course, that starts with Xavier Howard. Starting off next season, he'll be 26.2 years old on opening day. And just because they brought Chris Greer back, I think it's almost a given that Xavier Howard and Larry Matunzel are extended, if not this offseason, shortly thereafter, and both those guys get their new contracts. I think that they're going to be back and they're going to be the focal points of the team as far as re-signing your own and setting that example for the younger players to work hard and get those big contracts. So Xavier Howard will come back on a contract extension. Laramie Tunzel, the left tackle, an elite player out there, shut down Jadavian Clowney and Khalil Mack this year. He'll be 25.1 years old on opening day next year, owed $2.1 million next season, and then the fifth-year option in 2020, and you can probably extend him beyond that. So the Dolphins have options there, but I assume both those guys, two star players, left tackle and cornerback, two premier positions, will be back in long-term Dolphins for a long time. Up next, Minka Fitzpatrick, I have him as a free safety. He's going to be 22.9 on opening day next year. That's just a, a smashing success of a first-round draft pick. I think free safety going forward, but he played all over the field. Outside corner for 281 snaps, slot corner for 380, free safety 166, and down in the box for 94. So he plays all over the field, a full-time player. He's a blue chipper going forward. And then we move on to a player that hasn't been used as much as I would like him to be used or in the way I would have liked him to be used. Kenyon Drake, who is a free agent after next season. The club has control of his contract through 2019. He'll be 25.7 on opening day. But even this year in the limited touches, had 1,012 scrimmage yards, nine touchdowns, six of those from 20 plus yards out, 4.5 yards per carry. He's an explosive runner. I expect him to get a huge jump in workload next year and be the focal point of this offense. And I really think that he has the star potential of Tunzel, of Fitzpatrick, of Xavier Howard at running back. And then up next, Albert Wilson, a guy we might have forgotten about because of the injury. He is owed $7 bucks this year, so he's different in that vein. He'll also be 27.2 years old at the start of the 2019 season, so he's also different in that way. But you saw what he can do with an offense, how he can save an offense that is basically dead on the day. He did that in the Chicago Bears game. I think he is a great building block at receiver, a guy that can do multiple things, line up out wide in the slot, in the nasty split, in the backfield does everything for this offense. I expect him to get more than his 10 snaps in a game like he got in that Raiders game back in week three when he made the big difference. And then Vincent Taylor, defensive tackle, 25.7 at the start of the new year. He's owed just 640K next year. He signed through 2020. The guy was dominant this year when he played, a dominant elite run stuffer in the top 10 in the NFL. In that regard, he added the pass rush moves to his game. He looked fantastic before the injury. I think he's a guy you can build a defensive line on the interior round. And then back to wide receiver, Jakeem Grant. He'll be 26.9. He signed through next season. So I hope the Dolphins are smart and use some of the money they're going to save. We're going to talk about that here in a future, in just a couple of minutes about how the money they can save can be used to extend some of these younger guys that are more deserving of these bigger contracts or at least 
a substantial raise based on what they have right now. But Jakeem Grant was the only guy I take a kickoff and a punt back for touchdowns last year. He was just fantastic when he got an extended workload at the end of 2017 and beginning of 2018. But for some reason, he goes back to the bench and then gets hurt. So he's kind of a forgotten man that way too. But he's a big time core player on this roster. Jerome Baker, the rookie linebacker, going to be 22.8 on opening day next year. Three sacks, three pass breakups, an interception taken back for a touchdown. The guy has playmaking ability all over him. Devon Godshaw, a sturdy two-down run defender that can take on double teams. Stout at the point of attack. He'll be 24.8 on opening day next year. Another very cheap contract there. A fellow 2017 draft class member, Raquan McMillan, the linebacker, he will be 23.8 on opening day next year, and he looked so much better down the second half of the season when he started to get more comfortable. They always say it takes two years to get back from an ACL injury, and we started to see that kind of take its take shape in the end of 2018. I think McMillan has a bright future ahead of him as a two-down run stuffer there. And then this name probably going to get some people fired up, but Bobby McCain had a bad year in 2018, but I am confident that he can bounce back as long as you just leave him in the slot. He had a lot of injuries he dealt with all season long. He had to play on the outside of the perimeter cornerback position. That's not where he belongs. He'll be 26 years old on opening day next year. He's owed $5.6 million next season, and he's signed through 2022. He is this team's slot cornerback for the next couple of years, so if you don't like that, you're going to have to get used to it. And then next, another kind of outlier on this list, Kenny Stills. He's only going to be 27.5 years old on opening day next year. That's crazy. The guy's been around forever, it seems like. His production dipped because of the quarterback play, I think, is a big part of that. Also had that midseason injury. He started off the year with 184 yards and three touchdowns in the Dolphins' first three games. There is an out to get away from Kenny Stills, but I think that for $8 bucks, he's worth it to stick around and kind of continue to coach up and lead this young receiver crew. And then lastly, a guy that I tossed onto the list that really maybe doesn't belong but I see the big-time value, the big-time potential in running back Kalen Balaj. He'll be 23.7 years old on opening day. He's super cheap. He's a great spell to Kenyon Drake. He can run the Wildcat. He doesn't really have any drop-off in the passing game. Another awesome player there. So those 13 guys, those glue guys to me, are reason enough alone because those are 13 big-time producers that are cheap and they are under 27 years old, most of them under 25 years old. So I just don't see how this roster is an entire disaster because these next guys, the second portion of the column, the quote-unquote cuts that will be had here in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, they start off with Andre Branch, which obviously is a given move. He's due $7 bucks next year. The cap hits only $2 million. He had six sacks the last two years. That's $3 million per sack. He gone. Wide receiver Devontae Parker, that's a pretty obvious one there too. One touchdown 2017, one touchdown 2018. A ton of injuries do 9 million bucks, cost you nothing to cut him. He gone. Kiko Alonso, he's due $7.9 million. The cap hit there is 5.7. But just the way he had guys lined up the wrong way, the way the run fits are often there, the dirty hits he puts on quarterbacks, the embarrassing efforts to spy the quarterback, shooting the wrong gap, woeful coverage. There's just not much that Alonso did to earn the right to get that salary back in 2018 or 2019. The contract was a joke to begin with. Cut him, move on. Let the future happen at linebacker for this Dolphins team. Robert Quinn, to me, is the toughest one on this list. He is due 13 million bucks. You can cut him penalty-free, but he also came on the back half of the season. Maybe you rework his contract, extend it out a little bit, and get him back that way because defensive end is a position the Dolphins are going to need this coming offseason. Danny Amendola, I put him on the cut list. It costs nothing to do it. He's owed 6 million bucks. With Wilson, Grant, and Stills, I don't see why you bring him back. He can have Bryce Butler. You can replace Danny Amendola in the draft or a bargain free agent. I just don't think he was that productive. And he's also a progress stopper. For the younger guys, Ryan Tannehill, we've talked about that a lot. $17.5 million owed next year. A $13 million cap hit. 
I just think it makes sense. Try to trade him. If you can't do that, you got to cut him. And then Ted Larson, an obvious one there too. He's owed 2 million bucks, a cap hit of 400K. So nearly 50 million bucks in savings on Ted Larson, Ryan Tannehill, Danny Amendola, Robert Quinn, Kiko Alonso, Devontae Parker, and Andre Branch. You can save that money and not lose really any production from that group, except for maybe Robert Quinn at the most in that group. So I just think that this team is not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. They have some significant needs on the roster, and that starts with quarterback is number one need for me. And then number two, an inflection of defensive linemen, primarily edge players. They're going to have to replace at least one or two of these defensive ends. Charles Harris didn't work out. It's just a disaster at that position currently. The cornerback number two job, Torrey McTire, Cordray Tankersley, Cornell Armstrong, guys that didn't get it done when they had their shots to get called up to the starting spot. It just didn't look good once they had that second cornerback spot so weak. That's a big, big area of need in 2019. And then, of course, the offensive line, which to me, might not be as bad as it's currently being perceived. You have Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James as their bookend tackles. If you get James locked up, obviously, Josh Sitton can come back and play left guard, and then Jesse Davis can play right guard. And of course, you can try to upgrade on Je- on Jesse Davis at right guard. But nonetheless, I think either way, you try to find an additional guard to be a swing backup, maybe even a guy that can start over Jesse Davis and make him the swing backup. You need a new swing tackle to back up James and Tunsil, And then you need to find a solid, sturdy center, something this team hasn't had in a couple of years now as Mike Pouncey tailed off and then last year with Dan Kilgore and then the other guys beyond him. So Miami, maybe that need isn't as big, but I would make sure to put some pieces into the depth and try to bolster it that way. So this team, I don't think they're going to compete for a championship right away. Obviously, you guys know there's one move they could make that would make me change my opinion on that. But I just don't think they're as close to a a total teardown rebuild as they are competing for the playoff spot. I don't want them to pursue that playoff berth. I don't know they kind of just stay pat and, and kind of chill out on that front and try to win games with what they have, opposed to giving bad contracts to veterans and just going out that way, because you can still win games that way and not put yourself in risk for the future investment of the team. I do have three top priorities. We'll get through those here real quick. Number one, I know it's not likely because who knows if even is going to play football, but Kyler Murray is my number one priority this offseason. Number two, re-sign Jawan James. I know he had some bad games, some ups and downs, but they averaged seven yards per carry running behind him. He had some stretches of dominance and pass pro, and he finally stayed healthy. And then number three is sinking multiple resources into edge rushers and interior defensive line. I'm not talking like Frank Clark or Demarcus Lawrence, the bells of the ball, but guys like Ezekiel Ansah or Dante Flower, some bargain reclamation type projects Dolphins are going to have to get from the free agent crop, but also spend some draft picks in that area. So this team... They have a lot of work to do this offseason, but it's not really that crazier than a lot of teams around the league that have four or five pressing needs, some depth issues. That's pretty much every team in the NFL. The Dolphins are no different. The one difference is they don't have anything at quarterback, and they really have to get that figured out. Maybe it can't happen this year, and that's why I would understand the possibility of a tank if they can't figure out the quarterback. But if they do, we're right back on track. All right, we're going to finish this thing up by giving out the 2018 Dolphins Team Awards and predict the NFL playoffs next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkville NFL at Locked On Fins. In the past, on the podcast and on the column, I have gone back over the previous season more than I probably will this year just because... 
it seem more relevant. Whereas this year, there's going to be so much changeover and so much turnover that I just don't think anybody really wants to hear about 2018 all that much and how depressing the season was as a whole. But nonetheless, I have to give out my awards here for the season. I'm going to do that here really quickly. And they are this, the 2018 Miami Dolphins Awards, as per the Locked On Dolphins podcast, as per Travis Wingfield. MVP of the team for me is Laramie Tunzel. He shut down Khalil Mack. He shut down Jadavian Clowney. He gave up one sack on the entire season. The penalties went down. He was excellent in the running game. He stayed healthy for the most part. He was by far the best player on this team, in my opinion, in 2018. And the reason I don't give it to Xavier Howard is because Howard missed the last four games and Tunzel did not do that. So Laramie Tunzel, your 2018 MVP. Offensive player of the year. This one is crazy because he only played in six and a half games, but I'm giving it to Albert Wilson. He was electric. He was awesome. He won that Bears game by himself. He was a big touchdown waiting to happen. He basically won that Raiders game in association with Jakeem Grant. I think he could have a huge year next year if he comes back and is fully healthy. Defensive player of the year. No surprise there. Xavier Howard, the seven interceptions. He was awesome once again in his third season. Offensive rookie. This might be controversial because he's not really an offensive player. But who am I going to give it to? Mike Kosicki or Kalen Balaj? I, I don't think either of those guys played enough to earn it. It's Jason Sanders. He was awesome. Missed two field goals all year. Missed one PAT. Jason Sanders was the man kicking the football. Defensive rookie of the year, Minka Fitzpatrick. No surprise there. Played all over the field. Talked about him in the previous segment. The kid has a bright, bright future regardless of where he plays on the field. The biggest surprise on this team... I'm going to give that one to the rookie linebacker, Jerome Baker. I was a big fan of the draft pick. I thought he'd be a good long-term investment, but he was a hit right away. He played really great from a very early moment on. Probably should have played more than he did, but Jerome Baker was fantastic as a rookie. He has a bright future, and the biggest disappointment for me, it has to be Ryan Tannehill. I mean, who else could it be? We all kind of thought or hoped at least that he would grow off that 2016 success, but the opposite happened. He reverted back to old habits as far as the mental side of the game goes. The physical prowess got taken from him via injury, and then down the stretch, he really became a shell of a quarterback, taking all those sacks. He just looked like a broken quarterback at the end of the season. So Ryan Tannehill, the biggest disappointment in 2018 for the Miami Dolphins. And let's go ahead and shift gears here and start talking about the 2018 playoffs in the NFL. No Miami Dolphins this year, but you guys know the playoffs are always going to be good regardless of who plays. And I'm going to go ahead and predict the games right now as we bring on the NFL primetime music to do it. Every single game, my prediction all the way through. First round, Indianapolis and Houston. I'm taking the Colts in that one. Los Angeles at Baltimore. Give me the road team there once again. So give me the two underdogs in the AFC, the Colts and the Chargers in the AFC. On the NFC side of things, I'm sticking with the same plan. I'm taking the underdog road team, the Seattle Seahawks, to take down the Cowboys in week one, the wild card week. The Eagles are going to come up short against the Bears, and we finally have a home team win on wild card weekend. Bears advance in the second round. The Colts lose to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Chiefs get their first home playoff win in something like 30 years, something crazy. The second game in the AFC, Chargers at Patriots. Give me Phillip Rivers on the road. I think the Chargers are going to take it all the way this year, get to the big game up in Atlanta, or down in Atlanta, I should say, and Chargers get going this year at the Super Bowl. The Seahawks lose to the Saints in the second round. Saints advance to the NFC Championship game, where they'll face the Los Angeles Rams, who take out the Chicago Bears and get their revenge on the Bears for that beatdown earlier in the season. The championship games, give me the Chargers over the Chiefs. I love Phillip Rivers. I love that defense. I love the running game. Everything about that 
my Chargers team. They are stacked. They go to the Super Bowl, and they're going to take on Drew Brees. Give me a Phillip Rivers and a Drew Brees Super Bowl. The old former Charger quarterbacks together once again, playing several years down the line. And give me the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees as the Super Bowl champions in 2018 or 2019, however you want to call it. That's the prediction. We'll visit those again throughout the course of the next coming weeks. We'll have plenty for you guys on the podcast in the coming weeks, too. Of course, we'll have you guys updated on the coaching search and everything going on with this Miami Dolphins team in the offseason. Do not change that channel in the offseason. This is when things really crank up for us here on the Lockdown Podcast Network and at LockdownDolphins.com. But as for this podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again on Monday for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Oh, you got so much, so much.